The reason I brought up about these, these hidden jobs that you always wanted to have, whether you've noticed it or not, appearing now in our community and probably all across the country are a lot of these help wanted signs. By that I mean since 2009, everybody has been struggling to say, can I find a job that's open? Now there's so many jobs open, maybe not the ones you want, but so many jobs open that people are starting to advertise. Uh, Walmart, Home Depot, fast food, other restaurants. Uh, the problem is, is that a lot of these are the uh, entry-level, lower-paying jobs where it might take a year or two, because you're from Evergreen, to become the CEO, okay? Uh, but, for, but, but for most of us, uh, we have already gone through that phase and we're not sure that, that, that we want to go back and start at something that's lower-paying for lower skills. Now, here's an example of... As a, uh, I've always had this secret desire to be a Walmart greeter. <laughs> and there's some times in which I just stand there anyway, okay? <laughs> As people come in and say, hey, welcome to Walmart, and it's so much fun. Uh, for the Doties, I've always wanted to learn to do taxes, okay? Uh, accurately, or <laughs> I don't want to get anybody in jail, but, but there's some secret things that I've always said, you know, if I had the time and, and, and there was no pressure and, and somebody said, what's that fantasy you'd love to still learn? The other one is a truck driver. <laughs> truck driver. I'd love to get my commercial driver's license and see where it takes me. Anyway, uh, I say this because, you know, here's the big transition. Just as there are help-wanted signs going up all around our community, Bergen Park Church is going to have help-wanted signs up for the next several months. And I say that in a way that I am just totally honest with you. Friends, you have given your, us your permission to go ahead on every stage of, of our new facility. More than that, you have supplied the, your finances and given generously now we're going to need your muscles. And I know it's ski season. I know you say, Jim, Super Bowl, ski season, you want our help now? Well, yeah, yeah, because that's when we're going to be able to move in. Now, uh, the um, uh, uh, construction group or task force will be uh, getting a new update in terms, terms of when that might be, when that date might be. But I want you to know, as I said the announcements, it's probably going to be a matter of weeks, not a matter of several months. So if not January, certainly uh, February, and then we'll find out in terms of uh, how close we are. Uh, but in the same way, that help wanted sign was, was one of the reasons that our facility was delayed is a couple of the key construction groups, uh, a couple of the trades groups, uh, were having trouble filling their crews to, to work on our facility. So that's what's going on all around us. And what I'm asking you for now, not just me, but all the leaders of the church, is, uh, well, first of all, you're welcome to continue to give to the new facility. That's, you know, we're not, we're not against that. Uh, I will continue to give until my complete pledge is fulfilled. But um, uh, what we are asking now is not for your finances, but we want your time. And times in which maybe you'll be comfortable and say, I've done that a lot of times, I can step right in. Uh, but other times, uh, there's going to be some opportunities that come up that we'll be sharing with you in the weeks ahead where we would love for you to break new ground in your life and try something you've never tried before. And I hope you love that sense of adventure. And with that sense of adventure, you might discover, you know, I'm not really good at this, but that's okay. 
Okay? Uh, we, uh, we are not that professional around here if you've not been around long enough. Uh, and, and also what we're hoping is that through all of this process, that what our mission is to this community uh, is not just to show them, man, did they build a good building or what? That's not what we're trying to do. Ultimately, what we're trying to say is we built this to honor God so that we might better build our families, serve our community, and share Jesus' love for the world. So here it is, Help Wanted. And, and this project has been bigger than us, and it's bigger than our resources, and yet you have continued to respond, as I know you'll continue to respond in the weeks ahead, because you have seen God in this. One of the ways we've seen God in this is through a whole series of what we call congregational votes. Now, I've been a congregationalist for most of my Christian life. In other words, the church makes the major decisions uh, 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 for the church. And I'll tell you, when, when uh, in some of these congregationally governed churches where the votes are taken, if you see a 100% vote, you've got to give smelling salts to the pastor. He will faint. Uh, and because all, just about all of our votes have been way up there, and, and even, I, you gotta hear this, a couple people came to me and said, Jim, I, I'm not sure that this is the way ahead that we should do it. But I'm not gonna vote against it. I'm gonna give permission, even though I'd like to do it another way. So that, th- these people might have abstained, but there, there's this, this hunger to see total unity and to say, I didn't get my way, but, but, but I'm, I'm for the project. And we've seen this time and time again. Well, my job as your pastor is not to focus on the building, but to focus, help you focus on the God behind the building. And, and my job as your pastor is to make sure that we stay rooted in how God has spoken to us so that uh, we will be... Uh, uh, you know, going behind what many in our community will not be seeing. Uh, I want this to be a God story, not a man story. And so uh, the help wanted that I wanted to talk about this morning begins with making sure that we have Jesus' identity uh, certain in our lives. And I want us to go to the Gospel of Mark where we can read that together. I'm starting at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. And as I'm there... Uh, I want to read you one of the most mind-blowing single sentences that has ever been written in the history of humankind. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that was it. Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And everything else after that is sort of explaining this is the proof. This is why we call him Jesus the Christ. This is why uh, we call him the Son of God. So the focus for Christians as we, as we get into, uh, for us, this new facility, we understand that unlike what happens in our community, we are not moving into a, into a facility so that though they are impressed, at least my neighbors are, and we are not building this facility to brag about how much we gave. Our focus is on the one who sacrificially and supernaturally made the church possible. God through his son, Jesus. Without Jesus, we are a community service club and nothing more. We will be known for our good deeds, but not for the one who builds his church. With Jesus, 
We are a church, and this is a facility where we will worship Him and serve Him, and will become known as the people uh, in this community who shine at loving one another and loving those outside of our of our faith. So our focus is, you know, if you look at this verse, the first word that is very important is the gospel. What is the gospel? Uh, the gospel it is is a borrowed word. That's the best way I can put it. Uh, we did not invent that word as Christians. You might say, I've never heard it anywhere else. It's always Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the Gospels. No, the Gospel actually is a Greek word that we uh, absorbed and sort of enhanced because of Jesus. The, the Greeks and the Romans used it a lot. When a Roman general won a battle... The whole empire was to hear about it. And so messengers would go out and they would share the good news that we want another battle. Hey, Germany is ours. That's called the good news. When, uh, when a Caesar was given a great honor, usually because he bestowed it upon himself, the news went out for everybody to hear. Hey, did you hear? Augustus is God. That was where the Gospels got their foundation. But the Gospel for the Christian is good news about God coming to us, saving us, and granting us eternal life with Him. Nothing has ever been news that good before. Nothing will ever be that good of news afterwards. The second term that's used here is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. What does it mean by, we know what Jesus means, but what does it mean by Christ? God comes to us, God saves us, God gives us eternal life, and and Jesus is given this title of the Christ, which means the anointed one, which the Jews uh, later uh, used this term uh, Messiah. That is, well, I'm sorry, the Jews used it earlier and the Greeks uh, used it later. But together it focuses on this term Messiah, the one who would deliver them. He's anointed like a king is anointed, anointed like a, uh, a queen or, or some person of royalty for the purpose of a specific task. And the idea is this anointing means you are set aside for that purpose. Now, we don't find that a Moses had an anointing uh, in terms of people agreeing with him from the very beginning. But Moses took the Jews from slavery in Egypt and made them landowners in the promised land. Now, the Messiah who would be coming would deliver the Jews from now the Roman occupation as they were living in their country. At least that's what they thought. But God's Messiah was meant to deliver them from the penalty of their sins. The Messiah they wanted was not the Messiah God was sending. So delivering them from the penalty of their sins, which means eternal separation from God and the knowledge that you chose poorly for eternity. And finally, that term, after the Christ, the Son of God. The third truth is that Jesus is God's Son. Now, the Jews to this day will debate whether the Messiah was deity or not whether the coming Messiah that they hoped for or previous ones they've looked at, whether that person was deity, God himself. 
Now, the, the liberal ones would say, no, he was just supposed to, he was just a great person who was supposed to do some wonderful things, uh, provide for Israel's security, uh, rebuild the, the, the kingdom of Israel, and do all these great and wonderful things. Uh, and so they call this person Messiah. But even today, many of the conservative rabbis say, no, the Messiah is God. That's who we're, we, we are waiting for. He is deity. That is what we say, that this Jesus is both the Messiah and God's only son, God himself. Friends, I'm not going to get into a long explanation, but I realize that this morning, some of you may be trying to answer that question personally. Who is this guy? No, really, who is he? Uh, I find it hard, as some of you have told me, to think that this historical person could really be a, an eternal person, God's son. And yet, that is what each of these gospels presents to us. Jesus is God's son. But I want you to know that as you make um, inroads and, and, and build relationships within this community, you're going to be, if you are a believer that Jesus is God's son, you're going to be finding yourself with people who either disagree with you or would say, I'd rather not talk about it, thank you. I know where you stand. Let's move on to government. That's more fun, okay? Let's move on to the tax season. I mean, we, we all agree on that. We all don't like... Let's move on to something, you know, whether the Broncos will be in the Super Bowl. Let's move on to something that, that is maybe worth disputing. But let's not move on to faith. That's the community we live in. That's the neighborhood I live in. Uh, and, and most of you, you know, when you leave on Sunday morning, uh, I realize that we're one of the earliest worship services around. So maybe your friends aren't up yet, and maybe you wish you weren't either. And that, that I understand. Uh, but uh, you, you may not even get on to that issue of, do you go to church, or, or what, what do you believe, what's the meaning of life, things like this. What we are trying to make sure is that our focus gets communicated to those who have a looking for a different alternative. Now, let, let me tell you what I've been hearing. This is from people I know and then people who've knocked on our door. Uh, the alternative focus to that new facility would be things like this. You know, I'd really like to know what that's going to be. Well, it's going to be a church. Another church? I've heard that. Another church? No. We're moving this church to that church. These people are going over there. What's wrong with what you got? Well, look at my picture when I was 20 years old. And now look at my picture when I'm 66 years old and realize my knees don't work. My hips don't work. My teeth are falling out. But my hair is growing back. No. Um, We have known since the day I arrived here, 1997, April 1st, that this facility was uh, limited in what we could do and what our vision was. Uh, The elders knew that and informed me of it the, the week I arrived here. 
So we have understood this, but the community says, well, you know, you don't really, I mean, if you fill this place five times a week, then, then maybe you need another place. So they know it's new, and they are curious, and they want to know about anything that's new and why it's being done. And I'm hearing this continually. Uh, and, and because it's on the probably the most visible corner, empty corner to this point in all of Evergreen, they, they drive by a thousand, thousands of cars a day looking at it. And, and my neighbors, are, you know, whenever they talk to me, that's all they want to talk to me about. When are you going in? How come? You know, and that's, oh, I'm fine, thank you very much. <laughs> it's funny. And, and they didn't care how I was before anyway. So, uh, uh, and, 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 and what we're trying to, you know, because it's a brand new building, it's not like the big R down the street where it's an old building that they just remodeled. So that where you used to buy your fruits and vegetables, now where I get my shotguns and ammo, okay? It's, they just repainted it or restructured it. This is brand new, and it is impressive. So they're curious about it. Secondly, they hope to gain some benefit from it. They want it to be shared. Uh, there was, when the land began to be cleared, weekly I was approached by tradesmen saying, I'd love to build your pews. Sorry, not going to have pews. Oh, I'd love to do your plumbing. We are going to have plumbing. <laughs> but I said, you know, there's a bid that's going to be taken. Uh, I, I'd love to do your painting. And, and so the list went on and on and on of people who said, I, I want to be a part of this, and by the way, it's my job, and you can pay me. But there were others who, who were just inquiring continually, and as they looked at it, they said, you know, I'm involved in a group that meets once a month that is looking for a better, more suitable place for us. Could we? And my answer has always been, well, thanks for wanting to share what we've paid for, um, and, we, and we thank you for that. And tell you what, let's move in first. We'll, we'll, we'll allow you to tour it, to look at it, and see if it really does suit you. So the, the alternative focus deals with, hey, there's something new in this town, and, and, and it's a brand-new building, and, and they're curious. It also gets around the fact that you know, we'd like to be involved, we'd like, maybe like to use it. And so what we say is set aside for a, you know, a facility dedicated for worship, instruction, community, and outreach. They say it might also benefit the secular needs uh, of this town. Now let's get real honest. When, when um, Mark wrote his gospel, the, the general tone and the general belief was that he was writing to the Roman culture. And, and the reason I say that is because if you understand the Roman culture is different from all the others, the Romans were always asking, well, don't tell me what he said, tell me what he did. The, the Romans were saying, yeah, okay, I, I, yeah, good phrases, but, you know, I'm from the most powerful empire that has ever ruled in the world to this date. Tell me what he did. What battles did he win? What did he accomplish? There's a lot of Rome in Evergreen, in our mountain community. There, there's a lot of it. And one of the reasons why you know that is because as it goes up and then as it reached you know, almost 
I'm going to say it. Evergreen or the mountains community love success. Success is not bad. It's not a bad thing. The problem is, is when it's the first thing. When it's the only thing. The problem is, is when they say, wow, look at the car she is driving. She must have really made it big. Look at the house and the property that these people live on. I can only begin to believe what their income is. We see that all the time. I see it in conversations. I, I see it when people look at my car and they go, hmm. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and I see it in, when, uh, uh, when we're in a restaurant and, and they go, oh, you know, this is great food. We've never had anything like it before. I see it all the time. And so I also see it when one of the first questions that comes to me when people ask about the new facility, uh, the first question, when you're moving in, second question, yes, go ahead. How much it cost? Mm-hmm. How much it cost? And to that I say, um, we're working on it, Okay. We have, a, we have a basic idea. There is a budget. We're working on it. But you know what commercial construction costs. Otherwise, you wouldn't be asking. So, you know, it's between ten and 11,000 square feet. You deal with it. What are they asking? How did you get that money to buy it? It's essentially what they're asking. How did you get it? And so I have the privilege of speaking for you. When, when, they, when they, this Roman success culture here in the mountains talks to me about, uh, you know, how are you a- ever able to move into that, what I tell them is, well, if you have a minute, let's start in 1997, go back to 1999 when we made the first uh, bids on the property. And <clears throat> someone sitting in this very room said, not yet. Okay. So then uh, that person is now with us and has strived very very strenuously to make sure that, that we were being helped to do that. Well, then we, we, we get to a point in 2008, you know, we're talking 10 years later where we still say the needs are exactly the same. And we do a list of 20 priorities of things we don't need, such as more than two toilets. The women need more than one toilet. Um, so, uh, you know, how are we going to do that? And our children, are, we, we, you know, there's no way we should put our children in these types of rooms to educate them. So we're working on all these priorities. And, and I said, we believe as we prayed over these that this is what not just we needed, but what our community would welcome. So that was 2008. And we decided to build an addition right behind here. So we worked on, you know, the plans for an addition, 2008, 2010. Another person in this congregation says, let's give it one more try. Why? Well, 2010 is not a good time to have debt on a land, on a piece of land. And, and the owner knew that, and, and so we made the bid, and it was accepted, and it was both uh, good for us and good for the owner, and, and, it was a, and it was an amazing thing. So I start to tell this story. Why am I telling the story? Why am I telling you these stories? Because I want you to be aware that it's more of a God thing than a success thing. It's not a human thing, but it's more of a God thing. The timing of it, uh, the circumstances. Uh, I guess I can tell you this. I called my own denomination 
the Evangelical Free Church, and they said, well, it's a good plan, but you're way too small to afford it. I said, you sound like the Baptist. (laughs) You sound like the Anglicans. Uh, And and they wouldn't give us a loan, so we go to a local bank. And and they say, well, why didn't you come to us first? I don't know. Why didn't we come to you first? When we explained that the the debt would be about 40% of of the total uh, cost of the whole project, they go, well, that's, that's doable. Thank you. And then I, you know, and, and then I say, um, well, we, we've raised more money from this congregation than was pledged. Oh, really? How much? I think it's approaching now $100,000 more than pledged. Those on the finance committee can nod or go, no, no, Jim, you got to wait. It's getting there. When I tell, when Barb tells the story uh, up at Starbucks about a $25,000 matching pledge and over 30000 came in to match it. They go, how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, we can say, we're just an exceptional bunch of human beings. <laughs> Look at us. Aren't we great? Yeah, that, I'm glad you're laughing because we're not. But what we say is, it just seemed like the right thing. Well, tell me about the... Um, the fundraising group, the capital campaign group that came in. Yes, they were known as the Heather Carey, David, Bob, Jerry, Inc. Uh, fundraising group. And, uh, and I've had experience with many fundraising groups. And this was the very least professional fundraising group I've ever been with. They were the simplest ones that, that I've ever worked with. They set up an unaccountable system so we had no idea who was giving what or how, whether they met their pledge. And, and we just trusted these people to do it. And God did it. Through them, God was leading you to give. And then we watched the money come in until it was more than we expected to be received. Let me go back to this passage here because I want to share now the next phase of what it means. When it begins with that, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, then he begins, Mark, to go back and explain the role of John the baptizer. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Uh, John wore clothing made of camel's hair and, and a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And, and this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Focus on this just a bit, because in real essence, um, the next phase is the John phase. Prepare the way 
finish the job, prepare the way. Now, in one way we're like John, in another way we're not like John. Let me share how we're not like John. Uh, John would love to get at the self-righteous, ego-boosting people and just say terrible things to them so that they would be humbled. To the king, he'd say, you adulterer. To the religious leaders, like me, he would have said, you brood of vipers. Didn't win a lot of friends, did he? Now, what we would like to do is buy you all a bullhorn, take you out to the community, and just, you know, turn it on and say, repent now or be prepared to burn. (laughs) We're not like John in that way. Some of you are going, shoo! That's one sign-up I would never make, okay? And I get that. What is it that really communicates? Remember the Roman culture. The Roman culture of success, of progress, of moving ahead, of getting things done. In a way, that's, who, that's, that's how we want to speak to them. So we're not saying turn or burn to them, but our goal is still to prepare them so that through their experience of perhaps visiting, of perhaps worshiping with us, uh, of seeing if this is the place where they could settle down. What I'm trying to say is um, we will do the things that they expect. But through that, we want them to know it's not a human thing, but a God thing. What we want to do, unlike John, is we want to invite them in. We want to tell them our story. We want to answer their questions. We want to, uh, to offer to take them around. We want to give them some information and a little bit of food. And, and we want them to have, as they come to us, for it to be a fun, uplifting experience. We want all of that to happen. And we want to do it with a sort of a, a class and a grace that, that meets this community's expectations. But through all that, we want to ask for nothing. No donation plate. No tour fee, okay, as if they're going to Universal Studios. Uh, uh, no tram that will take them. Um, uh, we, 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 um, uh, there'll be no souvenir stand. Uh, there'll be no pledges taken for those who aren't a part of us. What I really want them to do is to meet to me the most impressive advertisement for Jesus Christ that is within this church, and that's you. I want them to meet you. And I want you to be able to tell the story of what God has done in getting this done. That's the best word. So let me leave you with three words and a help-wanted assignment, okay? The three words are begin now to initiate with those that you know in this community or, or even those that, uh, that you associate with anytime. We, we need you to connect with people uh, and connect in a way in which you are saying, this is where I worship. You might tell a funny story of what your pastor said or not. You might say, I really disagree with what my pastor said. Or not. But somehow they need to get the understanding that you go to church. You can be creative, but the idea is like, like putting the right fly on the end of your fly rod, uh, on, the end, on the end of the tippet, so that the fly looks at it and says, I want that. That means you've got to know the people that you're talking to. And you need to initiate. They're not going to be beating down your doors saying, tell me about that new building. Secondly, invite them. 
We are planning a grand opening. There's still more, much more to be done, but a grand opening that will probably include an open house as well as an inaugural worship service. Uh, we will have invitations to give out and to send out, uh, and I plan to do that. First of all, I want to send them to my, to my brothers and my brother and my sisters. Uh, they asked about it when they were here for my daughter's wedding. Uh, they need to know about that. But I plan to give them to my community, and we have plans uh, so that the whole community would, uh, would know when this grand opening will be. So invite them, and finally invest in them. Follow up with these people. Uh, consider them not just you know, one-shot type of approaches, but in consider them a long-term investment, one that you're going to get back to. Say, thank you for coming. Any questions? Uh, can I help you? Were you were, t- tell me about your life. Will you, will you actually build a relationship? Now, here is the help-wanted assignment. The help-wanted assignment is accept God's leading, and you're going to get one every week, okay? Accept God's leading to commit yourself to at least one short-term ministry of our new facility. At least one short-term ministry of our new facility. We'll be explaining what those are week by week as we get closer. I know it's ski season. I know that. Um, I, I know that it's a you know new thing starting in the new year. But that's your assignment. Ask for God's leading. Not Jim told me. I'd rather you say. I think God wants me involved here. And uh, now we want to give you a big picture. And Jeff Schrader is the one who's sort of prepared this big picture in terms of what it's going to begin to look like. Each week we'll be getting more and more specific. Jeff, come on up. Sir. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. As Jim said, we've got an awesome building next door, and we need to fill it full of awesome volunteers. (laughs) So uh, just to give you sort of a flavor, as of right now, and this number obviously can change on a moment's notice, we currently have over 50 job openings at this point. So what it really shows, and I think Andy Mormon said it great, everybody in the church really needs to get involved and needs to get a job, but it's a good thing. It really, really is a good thing. And the reality is, is we don't want anybody to be pressured into any situation in which they don't feel led to serve. We want you all to feel and reflect what your spiritual gifts and shapes are and get involved in that. The good news is, as Jim also pointed out, you know, try it out. And whatever that short-term commitment is, be it four weeks, be it six weeks, and you get into the goo and you say, ooh, this is awful, I'd rather be a bass player for Todd, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So we, we really are. We're... Humbly acceptable of everybody. The the interview process will be uh, very very easy. Uh, I can I can assure you of that. So, at any rate, um, we're going to do this both the analog as well as a digital format. You'll see it uh, both on Facebook as well as on our website in the coming months. And then the analog side is going to be Jeff standing in the back of the sanctuary with the doors bolted shut, and you can't leave until you sign up for something. No pressure. So, but at any rate, no, uh, seriously, I will be at church uh, this after or after the church service today, and I will be for the foreseeable future. And at this point, it, you don't even really need to know where you want to be led to serve. You can just say, hey, I want to get involved. Just put down your name and your contact number, and as we define this thing going forward, we'll get in touch with you. So, appreciate your time. Thank you. Put my name down. This is the hardest transition ever. Let's take communion, okay? 
And when I say that, nothing focuses us better on Jesus, the Lord of the church, than the fact that he came supernaturally and sacrificially so that we could have a church and not just be a social club. He came and gave his life so that we would know we have the forgiveness of sins which we so desperately need and we couldn't get on our own. We know that through his death on the cross, God has forgiven our sins when we place our trust in him. We know that the shedding of his blood meant that all of our sins, past, present, and future, could be covered because it was the perfect sacrifice. Not just perfect in terms of its quality, but in terms of the length of time that it would be available. Friends, there's never any time in which you will hear, that's just too bad. Man, you are the worst piece of flesh I have ever heard of. Get out of my sight. Jesus paid it all. Paid it all. With those who are serving, please come up. Lord, now as we do take communion, we thank you and we are so aware that you are the one that we want the focus to go to and that you want us dedicated to you, thankful to you, uh, aware of what Jesus has done for us. This is what we want to present to our community. And Lord, now we just go back and think through what made it all possible. Christ coming to us, Redeemer.